Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, Brandon Johnson on the tambourine, everybody. <laughs> Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, February 26th. It's just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions again for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Hey, thanks, unions. Also, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor, hour number two. Let's go. It is Wednesday, February 26th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. this hour of the program we still got monroe anderson in studio cook county commissioner brandon johnson is with us and it's the return of jackie algae with ikea johnson of seiu healthcare illinois indiana and now your host Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Brandon Johnson has joined us. Brandon John- Johnson has joined the conversation. Brandon, uh, yeah, you're a Cook County Board Commissioner. You're a Chicago uh, Teachers Union activist. You're the pride and joy of the West Side. Uh, but you've been spending a lot of time on the road lately. Uh, singing the song of praise for Elizabeth Warren. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Ben. It's always good to be with you, man. I appreciate it. Um, the style of music, there's still some <laughs> there's some questions there that I have there. Just kind of reminds me of my childhood and like, hey, hey, are we the monkeys? It just just bad inter uh, anyhow. But so other than that, man, other than trashing boomers, yes, go on. Yes, I love you, but no, it's been it's been a very exciting time. Obviously, Elizabeth Warren is absolutely brilliant by far. She is the smartest person who is running for office. That is very very much obvious, um, and how that trans how that is translating. Of course, I can speak to that, but. No, I've had a really unique opportunity. Um, when I was sworn in a year or so ago, didn't think that I would be one of the national surrogates for for a top tier presidential candidate. Um, but her, you know, platform to bring the type of big structural change that we all know that our country desperately needs um, is something that has been quite attractive uh, to me. And I've had a chance to carry this message in places like Iowa, um, Virginia, um, South Carolina, which is just an amazing place to be and visit. Um, and in Michigan, uh, spent some time there. Uh, we'll be returning there on Sunday. And you know what? What is becoming clear to me, though, is that um, you know it's not just that our country desperately needs big structural change. Um, that we have a communication gap uh, between you know individuals who would be impacted by the type of transformation that we are calling for um, in the Elizabeth Warren camp, 
and how you actually effectively communicate to the voters who would be most impacted. And I'm referring to black people. And that's something, that, again, that has attracted me to um, her candidacy. Um, there is no other candidate that has um, a, as a thorough of a working agenda for black America. Um, there's just, it just pales in comparison to Elizabeth Warren. Um, it's actually quite bold um, in her approach, particularly around historically black colleges and universities. Um, that message has resonated um, throughout the different states, including our own here in Illinois. Um, we're talking $50 billion more dollars into our historically black colleges and universities. What about Pete um, Douglas? Yeah, so I think when I say the most dynamic platform, um, because Elizabeth Warren actually has not just a working agenda, but um, a track record of demonstrating that her work can lead to transformation for black folks, it's why I believe hers is far more substantial. Um, you know, Pete, you know, put together a pretty decent PowerPoint. That's not very difficult for someone who is a Rhodes Scholar. I mean, that's the very least I think he can do. Now, where, where did I hear that? that, that I know. I mean, that, that, I those talking points before, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I heard that sounds vaguely yeah. familiar. It is. And, and, and Amy was right to call it out. Look, as a public school teacher, look, I, I know the students who can cram the night before for a test and do well. That's Pete. But, but as far as the, the working agenda for black America, um, when we talk about historically black colleges, when we talk about, you know, making sure that Medicare for all speaks specifically to the infant mortality rate that is overwhelmingly plaguing black women and brown women, that, that's actually pretty substantial. You got to speak directly to the issues that impact us. But we know a third of black educators will be um, trained and educated at historically black colleges and universities. The reason why that plan is so substantial, far more than Pete, is that you can't talk about investing in historically black colleges and universities that will pump out more black educators and still support school privatization. Those things are opposed to one another. The reason why there has been a decline, the decimation of the black teaching force is because of the policies of school privatization and closing and school closing. So those messages have, have been, you know, really, uh, they've been received well. Um, her position around affordable housing um, and how we're gonna pay for it um, I think the thing that's actually most substantial is the fact that, you know, here's a woman who essentially created a new agency for our country, mm -hmm. yeah. um, the, the Financial Bureau um, Protection Agency, and how that has pumped $12 billion back into families um, that would have been lost otherwise. And so we have a lot of work to do, and, and I'll, I'll talk more about that, but those are the messages that have been uh, resonating the most in those okay. states. Okay, just for the record, um, I like Warren a lot. I wanted her to run four years ago, but I, I knew that it was going to be inconvenient to have her in against Hillary. That would just cause all sorts of com complications. I was a, an early fan of hers this time, um, but um, she's lost the waist somewhere, somehow. I, I don't understand what happened but it's happened. Um, I, um, just watching the um, debate last mm -hmm. night, um, she, she took a stab at Bernie, but she didn't hit him hard enough. She spent time wasted on Bloomberg. I thought it was a waste of time on Bloomberg since he's not even in, in the race. She repeated the basically attack that she did um, in the last debate. And, and where she gained a, a, a very nice spike 
as a result of that attack. But then she, she repeated herself instead of taking it someplace else. All right. I, I completely disagree with what you said, but I would love to hear what Brandon has to say. First. Well, look, I think as we, we know, a week ago, her debate performance was just absolutely just she knocked it out the park. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why she's now polling second nationally. You're right? talking about last week. Last week. And I'll yeah, get yeah. to I'll get to last night right. as well. Right. But I think, you know, she she elevated the conversation and created a real clear distinction within our party. Right. Bloomberg is an absolute nightmare and he is pumping hundreds of millions of dollars into black media, black outlets um, to really peel away votes from really the progressive charge. And, and I'll get into that of why that strategy um, is not only dangerous, but it's intentional and it's an attack against more against um, um, Elizabeth Warren than it is Bernie. Um, but I actually think that her performance last night was actually pretty substantial as well. I don't think that she lost. Um, points because she didn't go after Bernie hard enough. Look, there's still some time here. What she had to do was to remind people, because this is what the American electorate needs. You have to repeat yourself over and over again. Mm -hmm. And because he's spending so much money um, in these places, and what I have found, people only pay attention when it's close to them. Mm -hmm. So we saw the debate last week. There's this general assumption, and I've found this out as I've had the chance to travel around the country, um, that people know very little about what happens outside of their communities, right? And so she had to make that distinction because it wasn't just about Bloomberg, it's about Tom Steyer. I was down in in South Carolina um, last Saturday, I believe he was on his 37th mailer in the entire state. Um, And I think that her distinction that she is making, I think she's gotta be a little crafty about it with, with, with Senator Sanders because again, ideologically that there's some similarities there. The difference is, of course, is that she's actually been effective at getting something done. All right. Let, let, I just I want to address uh, what Monroe said and then come back to that. And bring, that is this. Bring it out. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, here, here's the thing. Uh, Monroe is of the, the boomer generation that is really concerned about Bernie. So I'm going to put that issue to the side for no, the No, I'm concerned about Trump. Okay. All right. Well, if, all right. It, if, if, if somebody could bring me a, a, a signed affidavit saying that Bernie could beat Trump. It'd be fine. Okay, but let's put that to the side. Okay. Uh, the notion that Elizabeth Warren uh, should turn her attention to Bernie from Bloomberg, uh, I, I don't believe is warranted because I'll tell you why, and it gets at just what Brandon was saying. Michael Bloomberg has come into this race late with his billions of dollars we had folks on this show, Brandon Monroe, who talked about how he's offering uh, his uh, organizers $6,000 a month, which is a lot of money. It's a lot of money for a podcaster, and it's a lot of money for an organizer to make. So it's top dollar. Or, or a retired journalist. Or a retired journalist, okay? It's a lot of money. And uh, so he's buying his way into this race, and you could see it in the polls. And if Elizabeth Warren, I think it's imperative for somebody, and I appreciate her for doing this, to point out who Michael Bloomberg is. And it's like Michael Bloomberg can saturate the TV with his ads that present one view of Michael Bloomberg to the world, and she's pointing out what this man's record is, yeah, no, what but his legacy she, is. She, last night, she made it personal. And and, and that's okay, but it's not, it, 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 I don't think it was that useful because the people who she needed to uh, appeal to is, is, is um, black 
Americans, but Ma- the black voters. But Monroe, in all due respect, and that this is why she had to go after him. And I commend but her. But she didn't go. She should have gone out after well, him it, on the on the um, uh, slap, slinging black boys up against the wall. She has, and she's been very consistent I mean, about yeah. it. Now, whether or not she should repeat that over and over again, as opposed to you know his attack against women, right? You know, because that was her approach to to really expose his record as it relates to his racist policies as a mayor with stop and frisk, but also to double down on you know his his attack against women. Look, the bottom line is there's no other candidate in this race that has been more bold and more courageous. And all due respect to what Bernie has presented, there's clearly some capacity that he's already kind of built. And I think that's what the concern that many people have is, is can he expand and broaden his electorate, particularly in the black community? And the person who is the biggest threat to the progressive movement right now, because we have to bring in black voters, is Michael Bloomberg. Look, we all know this about, was it 3.3 million black votes? that we didn't have in 2016. Mm -hmm. If you break it down by states where Donald Trump won, particularly in Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, you know, and some in in Michigan and Wisconsin in particular, Donald Trump won by 11,000, 20,000 votes. And in those in those respective states, that's like some of that was suppression, voter suppression. Well, of course. And so this is where the problem is, because the very people in which Bloomberg is trying to appeal to the handful of us who are actually going to show up that we vote pretty consistently consistently in a block, if we lose those votes and we don't inspire folks, Bloomberg is the biggest threat um, to this election cycle right now. Because as Elizabeth's made it very clear, to trade one billionaire for the other, we've seen that in Chicago, right, where you just want it daily gone so bad that people accepted Rahm Emanuel, and Rahm Emanuel (laughs) administered one of the greatest terrorist attacks against black communities in the history of America by shutting down 50 public schools in one cycle, mostly black, over a thousand black children are missing still to this day where there's no record for them. And so the Democratic Party is in a very dangerous place because electing someone like Bloomberg, who, who says he is on our team, now you're stuck with someone. Right. And so this is the part that I think what we have to do in terms of building a broader, bold, progressive agenda. It's why Elizabeth Warren, I believe, provides the greatest pathway to that. If you look at the results in in uh, Iowa in particular, Elizabeth Warren won the reddest county and the bluest county. And not because she flipped Trump voters. She convinced folks who live in red districts who vote blue to actually come out and vote. I was down in Greenville. We're not used to this in Chicago, um, in places like this in Iowa, where you have entire communities that are represented by Republicans. We're just not used to that. And so when you meet the handful of Democrats, there's actually more Democrats in those spaces. But because those places have been dominated by Republicans, that also is a part of the suppression. Elizabeth Warren has pulled those voters out of the shadows in these red parts of the district. Because even if you look at Illinois, just let me just finish this last part. If you look at Illinois, and how President Obama changed this state, where the parts in the state were deep, deep, deep red. Mm -hmm. And then in his election cycle, it was more kind of fusion pink. It wasn't because Republicans were voting for a black Democrat. That did happen, but it was more Democrats in red parts of the state that were coming out because they were inspired. And if we can't do that as a party, and I believe that's the threat that Mike Bloomberg has, no matter who the nominee is, especially if it's Bloomberg, you can guarantee four more years of Donald Trump. Go ahead, Monroe. 
Okay, I was arguing tactics about last night in that um, the, the, the biggest problem is, is Biden, actually, um, for Saturday. It's not um, um, Bloomberg. Bl- Bloomberg or, or Bernie. Bloomberg's not even in the race. Right, or Steyer. Not, yeah, right, or, or Steyer. Steyer has a, a significant thing. This is why I think she should have taken on um, the um, police treatment of, of, of blacks in New York City uh, um, in the debate last night. Uh, because I, I think it's going to be 60% blacks voting on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And so you want to, and now you have Clyburn who came out this morning. For Biden. For Biden. Yeah. And that's going to make a big difference. Well, uh, so Brandon, I'll put this to you. Uh, I've heard you now uh, extol the virtues of Elizabeth Warren several occasions. And, uh, and then I look at the polls, and the polls show uh, that in terms of the black vote, in, we'll just deal with South Carolina. I think Steyer's doing better than her. Biden's among black voters. Mm-hmm. And Bloomberg's not in the race. Right. But nas- nationwide, which I'm baffled, shake my head, Bloomberg's doing better than her. Why isn't her message reaching black voters? Well, as I said before, um, there's a communication gap here. And part of the challenge is, and you know, this is going to get probably too much in the weeds of sort of campaign strategy, what Senator Warren has done, which I actually appreciate, but it does create... Um, you know, just some distance between the voters we have to reach is that she has gone into multiple states early in a very deep way where other candidates have concentrated in a couple of states and then they move on. Because for Elizabeth Warren, it was very important for her to not just establish a presence there, but how do we have something that's sustainable? Now, whether or not that's going to be the most effective strategy, I mean, we, we'll, we'll know by Tuesday. Yeah. Um, if, if, but, but I think part of the challenge is that the individuals who are communicating in South Carolina uh, were being outspent, just like Bernie outspent us in, in Nevada. And our challenge, of course, is we have the right message, we have the right messenger, we're doing deep organizing because everywhere I go, people know her, they're familiar with her. Right. But you, the broader elected- thousand workers out there. She's got yeah. a lot of them, yeah. but she's got them spread out through 31 states, yeah. right? Where, you know, Bernie, you know, will concentrate in any particular area and then he'll move and pack up and just like many other candidates have done that. And so there's media buys that have just been very difficult for our campaign to keep up with. What our hope is, is that these last couple of debates, as we go into South Carolina, um, as Elizabeth begins to surge, that she comes out with a very, very strong response from the electorate in South Carolina. And then by Super Tuesday, I think it's still anybody's game. In fact, I think there will be still, we won't have much clarity after Super Tuesday still. Um, but the part that I'm most inspired by though, is that down ballot, Elizabeth Warren's operation, I mean, they're endorsing very local races. I mean, she was the first presidential candidate to endorse Kim Fox right here in Cook County. Um, eventually Bernie followed that lead. Um, and so that's the part that I'm actually most impressed with because look, we all want to run these races to win and that's what our goal is. But we have to build a much more substantial, broader coalition, particularly those of us who see through a progressive lens and our blind spot is still black voters. What I'm confident about though is because Elizabeth Warren's agenda that speaks directly to the black folks, our experiences, 
um, that that's going to begin to resonate over time. And look, a few people have had a little bit of a head start on her, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a challenge. There are people who are spending billions of dollars um, as opposed to like the real grassroots operation that we have. You know, but I know this as someone who has run for office. Um, communicating to black voters um, is there is an art and a science to it. And part of that science is being able to repeat a message over and over and over again. And and it's hard to compete. By the with way, that. that's that's not black or white. That's one on one of human right. beings. Exactly. And uh, people tease me all the time for all the TIFF articles I've written, Brandon. And I always tell them, oh, you think I'm just going to write one? That's yeah. going to do the job. One article. You got to write it 50,000 times to get it through the head. You know, people. And, and now 20 years later. And 20 years later. <laughs> look at that. People yeah, go, and, and, TIFF and, is bad. Right. You know, and, and I won. <laughs> right. And in, in politics, what you have to do is tell them what you're going to do. Um, tell them what you did. And tell them what you've done. You have three, three different no, things. Reverend Jackson had some very profound advice to me some time ago, and he just says, "Brandon, when you speak through the media, when you communicate with our with our people, and this is with any voters, yeah. you have to say it as if it's the first time they've ever heard it." And that's, you know, if you listen to Reverend Jackson speak sometimes, it probably makes more sense because, you know, here's a guy that we probably could recite some of his speeches, right? Oh. Um, especially yep. his key talking points, right? right. right. Because it's like, you look, you have to say it as if it's the first time. There, right? there, you know, back in the 70s, when I was a Tribune reporter, every Saturday I was at Operation Push. That's what I did. I covered Push. And so I knew Jesse's speeches by, by heart yeah. because they were this, actually from week to week, it was pretty much the same speech. He would change 10, 15 percent of it. And then the rest of it well, would be Trump, the same message. This is, Trump's, this is what Trump does. Mm. Yeah. Trump, uh, he literally repeats the same thing. He keeps it simple. He says it over and over again and it works. And he, love, lies. Well, yeah, he, the, lies, the, the he lies. Well, uh, he the lies. The lying The lying helps. All right, Brandon, let me ask you this. Uh, having spent time campaigning on behalf of Elizabeth Warren uh, in Michigan and South, and South Carolina uh, and dealing with the local communities that you've been uh, uh, encountering, is your sense that the primary concern of voters that you meet is electability? It's not the primary concern, but it is it is something that comes up quite a bit. It does. I think the primary concern is, you know, how how will my you know, as Monroe was alluding to, how will my day to day living conditions be impacted by this person's leadership? Right. And then, you know, in a very close second or depending on which region I'm in and which voter I'm speaking with, there's this electability question. And that is something that I think speaks more to the 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 depression of ideas that have taken place i remember having a really nice round table with some black voters in davenport iowa and the black men in particular um, were very much concerned about the what folks would refer to as the pie in the sky idea that it wasn't so much that they disagreed with it their worry was if we run on that is that something that we can actually achieve? Even though I believe it's the right thing, can we achieve it? And so then they they capture that sort of concern about what's achievable with who's electable. And what I'm constantly reminding people, and this is what we have to do all over the country, when we vote our values, we are still in a much more substantial place. We are better off voting our values. Mm -hmm. And because we don't vote our values is why people like Trump win. So let's look at the state of Florida. 
Trump won by 113,000 votes. There were over a million black votes who either did not vote or were not registered to vote. Let's go to the state of Georgia. He won by 211,000. There were 900,000 black folks who did not vote. And go on and on. Michigan, he won by 11,000 votes. There were almost 400,000 black votes alone. Uh, Pennsylvania, he won by 44,000 votes. There were over 367,000 who didn't show up. Wisconsin, Trump won by 23,000 votes. There were 130,000 black folks who either stayed home or weren't registered. And so we have to begin to speak our values because our voters exist. It's a matter of how we pull them out. All right, let me tell you this, the response, uh, listening to what you say, the response, I'm gonna do my best to uh, articulate uh, the worldview of Rahm Emanuel, your good friend, uh, and James Carvel. Uh, I've always butchered his name. And the two of them say, I've heard them over the weekend. This is why it's on my mind. I cannot believe I spent valuable hours, not hours, but valuable minutes of my life listening to these two. They say it's a pipe dream for Democrats to believe that they could rally people who have not traditionally voted to get them to the polls. They think that's a losing strategy. Loser, that's what they say. That's what Rom says. I heard him say it with his good pal, Chris Christie. We talked about it yesterday on the George Stephanopoulos show. Take a chill pill, man. Oh, sorry, Rom. It's an unproven <laughs> strategy. It's a losing strategy. You should forget voters who've never registered. They're never gonna register. They're never gonna vote. What we gotta do is get people who voted for Obama in 2012, then voted for Trump in 2016 to vote, uh, come back to the Democrats. What's your response to Rob? Well, I think the part that, that they're missing, if we look at the state of Florida or Wisconsin, some of those voters actually did vote for Obama. They were blue votes. They just didn't vote in 2016. And so there are enough voters out there who are registered, who have voted before who just weren't inspired in 2016 because we didn't speak directly to their issues. And so what, what Rahm and James are conflating is this notion that younger, newer voters are gonna come to the table. Of course, you're gonna have some of that. But there are actually voters that are out there on the table now for us to get. And if we're not speaking to how we transform affordability in this country, how we have people that have access to health care, how we fund our public schools, and of course, how we reform this criminal system, those are the things that people care about. They also care about their pocketbook. The fact that black folks overwhelmingly believe that we have an unfair, unjust taxing structure in this country, um, the fact that they overwhelmingly support that, we should be running on that. When Elizabeth Warren says, look, two cents on your assets above a certain amount, you can keep the first, what is it, 50 million or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but we're gonna come and we're gonna, we're gonna ask you to pay two cents on a dollar for that, and that can fund universal childcare and raise the wages of the people who actually do that work. Of course, that was a nice plug because Jackie Algie is here. Yeah. So okay. raising the wages yeah, okay. of those who actually do that work. That's all very much possible. And she is calling for a smaller wealth tax than Franklin Delano Roosevelt did when he taxed up to 75%. And those were his friends. Yeah. Okay, right. I now have, let's bring I, I a boomer in because he's, he's very worried. Yeah, right. I'm very worried. And what I want to know, because early on, it looked like Warren was going to walk away with it. And she lost her mo- momentum. Uh, why did she lose her momentum? It's a fair question, Monroe. I think part of it is Elizabeth Warren has taken, she's the only candidate who's been hit from the left and the right and the middle. Bernie gets hit from the right, right? Pete and Amy, they all get hit from the left. Joe just 
I don't. He just gets hit because mostly because he's punching himself. Right? Stop it. I'm just saying. And God bless you, boomers. I need to go get your boy. He's struggling. I think Joe is not a boomer. I'm going to defend I think the boomers. He, he's Joe is not a boomer. He boomers, is, he's, he's older, older than a boomer. Right. Yeah, he's so, older than well, go boomer. get your grandpa in. Boomer. He's a boomer. So I think part of it is like Elizabeth Warren. Let's not let's not kid ourselves mm-hmm. that you know our country is still very misogynistic. Um, and that we're, this, this is a very racist, misogynistic country. And when Monroe talks about being worried, how do you think a brother feels at 43 years old with three black children I'm raising on the west side of Chicago? Yes, I'm worried about neighborhood schools. It's not just about an election for me. And this is why I think we have to be very thoughtful about how we build a bold, progressive coalition that speaks directly to our issues. Because if we're not doing that, even if you're able to pull it off in November, and you don't have substantive change that's going to affect people's day to day. That worry doesn't go away after an election when you don't have health care, when you don't have a job, when unemployment is Great Depression era numbers, particularly within black communities, when you don't have access to transportation. People in the Southland can't get downtown without taking four buses and getting in an Uber. You know, so there are real challenges. And look, this is not just black folks on the west side or south side in various communities. I've knocked on doors in Iowa. Look, people. White people who are poor, they got it bad too. And so we gotta speak to the issues that affect black, white, brown folks that are struggling every single day. And if we can't win on that type of bold agenda, then you're not gonna govern on that agenda either, which keeps us at the status quo, and that's just not acceptable. Yeah, I gotta say, uh, to the point you made about people from uh, both sides of the spectrum attacking Elizabeth Warren is absolutely true. Many of my lefty friends attack her all the time. Uh, they they talk about how she used to be a Republican. I defend Elizabeth Warren just for the record, okay? Because Thank you, ben. well, I don't I don't think that's a fair criticism because she used to be a Republican. Donnie Trump used to be a Democrat. Yeah, okay, two, uh, f- five years ago, six yeah. years ago. I mean, it's, it's like ridiculous. It's, Ben, if you were to read some of my college papers, hopefully they never come out, of how I used to write when I was 18 years old, I was raised in a black Christian fundamentalist home. So if you ever find some of those college papers, you would think that you were reading something out of a very conservative book. Is that right? And so people grow, they transform all the time. That's actually what you want, Yeah. right? And because even though, of course, Bernie has his stripes, tried and true, but the fact of the matter is, what has he been able to accomplish with his theory, with his rhetoric? That that's not enough. When I ran for office, people expect more from me as a black man, as an elected official, than just a hope and a dream of what's possible. And that's why, of course, I moved to to, to change the, the county ordinance around how people who have arrest records and are formerly incarcerated, how they can access housing. That's a part of Elizabeth Warren's plan. Mm-hmm. Her plan speaks directly to the issues that we deal with on a very local level. Wait, have I ever asked you the Sergio Mims question? I don't know, I believe I've ever, Sergio Mims is a friend of Monroe's mind. He comes on the show all the time, he's a film critic. Uh, and he has a lot of opinions about politics. He came on the show once, I think Monroe was with him, and um, he articulated that in his humble opinion, the reason why Kamala Harris's campaign and Cory Booker's campaign failed to win support of black voters is that black voters were disappointed. They were blaming uh, Harris and uh, Booker for their frustrations and disappointments with Obama. And it was like they came to this realization that voting for a black person wasn't going to make it. But that's a Sergio Mims theory. Yeah, it's the and Sergio is contrarian and can be a cockeyed thinker. <laughs> he's, 
<laughs> you can see Monroe doesn't agree with this theory. Uh, but so what's your thought? What's your reaction to the Sergio? You know, I'm going to have to go with Monroe because I don't know Sergio. No, I'm <laughs> teasing. That's Sergio's a good guy. No, I'm I look, Sergio. Yeah, so he, he's a good friend, friend of mine. So, look, you know, I can't speak to like you know people's exhaustion you know around Obama's presidency because he's obviously still a very popular president. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I can say though is you know when you have someone like Cory Booker who still has not you know sought atonement for his failure in education policy, you know, working with Chris Christie, the Republican governor. Kamala Harris was not a progressive prosecutor. We all know that. And so this is why you actually have to have a record. You know, if you're going to change and transform, you're going to apologize for what you did and then move policy that speaks to the direction in which we should go in. Mm -hmm. That's Elizabeth Warren's platform and everything that she has pushed for. She is the only candidate right now who's been protested by the charter school uh, lovers, right? Because her position against school privatization has been so strong. So I don't think it's just an exhaustion that people have of black leadership. It's more or less like what positions have you taken in the past that have harmed black people? And Cory Booker and Kamala Harris, unfortunately, uh, will have had a different upbringing politically than I did. All right, uh, fair enough. Are you feel, are you having her Brandon Monroe? Are you really feeling uh, your Elizabeth Warren now? Has it converted you back to Elizabeth Warren? <laughs> I want a winner. I, I, I mean, it, so it, your electability is everything in your it, mind. Electability is everything. Although, if if I if I could wave a magic wand, she'd be the one. Well, keep waving. She'd be, but, but, <laughs> keep but waving. I, yeah, right. But it's not. It's, it's not looking that good. Well, right now. Strong gold ring way, that you have. Just flash that in the air. And I got to say, what we. Uh, what we didn't mention is I think she made a, a, a big tactical error. This is where I disagree with Monroe was started by, by attacking Bernie in that debate. I think that hurt her. I think that uh, Bernie and Elizabeth it Warren It wasn't much of an attack. It, you know, I didn't think you did that last night. No, no. The attack two debates ago in Iowa where she started talking about a private conversation they had oh, about yeah. whether oh, that, that okay. hurt her. Yeah. And I think that's why I would not... Not that any politician would ever take advice from me on anything, but uh, you know she has. I, I don't uh, no. attack Bernie. You guys have the War- same. No, base. War- Warren has the same problem that the sixteen Republicans had four years ago, in that they didn't attack Trump too tough, or if they did, they paid for it because. He, he had this following, this I beg following. to differ. I just, I rewatched for reasons that I'm not quite sure, uh, the Trump debate of 2016, about two, three weeks ago, I watched it. Yeah. And uh, Marco Rubio and Cruz were coming at Trump. Any and Democrat they paid for it. That's feeling, the point. No, but, but Trump... Trump was they emerging. pay for it. Yeah, what I'm saying, what, I get your point. Yeah, the yeah. point is that they they were like the Democrats last night. Mm-hmm. They figured their only chance to win was to go at the front leader, and they went at him, and they went at him hard. Well, because that's traditional politics. Because remember when Elizabeth Warren got hit from Bernie and from the right, she had surged to uh, first place uh, right. for those two weeks. Right. In fact, Elizabeth Warren, for the record, was the only is the only candidate that polled nationally higher than Joe Biden for those two weeks that she was polling high. So I still think that she's got an uptick. You know, there's some room for that. But I think it's really going to come down to how effective our ground game is. And, of course, if we can actually get on the air. But I do appreciate and the And get time some bit. more money. Yeah. All right. Very good. Brandon Johnson, Monroe Anderson. Hey, Brandon, uh, you have a show. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Sunday mornings. Thank you for that. Sunday mornings. (laughs) And I'm supported by a lot of folks in labor, just like Ben is. Sunday mornings uh, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. is the hottest political program on this side of heaven. I don't know what happens on the other side, but I do know (laughs) our side of heaven uh, is the hottest political program. And you can catch us every single Sunday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m on WCPT, Progressive Talk Radio. You mean the the Progressive Talk Radio that fired the only progressive talker in Chicago? That progressive talk? I'm looking at Jackie. Is that the one that you're talking about? That is the one. I don't hold a grudge. Brandon, you do a fantastic (laughs) show, man. I've I've listened to your show for a long time. You do a really good job with the show. And another, he's not the only one on that show. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, of course, oh, my faithful huh? co-host, she's going to kick my butt for yes, that saying she that. she should. Because she's been filling in for me. Candace Castillo, who's an amazing organizer. She's the chief of staff for Jeanette Taylor. And was on our show on Friday. Yeah, Ben Jarofsky show listeners know Candace Castillo. She does. She's on the Brandon Johnson show as well, or Sunday mornings as well. She came on Friday and she killed it. She was on fire. <laughs> she was on fire. She was on fire. Uh, and right before the Heartland Mamas. Man, what a combination that was. Go All download right. that show, everybody. Very good. Uh, thank you very much, D, for the reminder. Brandon Johnson, Monroe Anderson. Thank you very much, Jackie Algie on deck. We'll bring her on when we return. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Yeah, here's the one point, and this is a classic why somebody's better figure this out. You're in Nevada the site of one of the worst mass shootings in American history. Just two years ago, it's not that far in the rearview mirror. Bernie Sanders' records on guns is horrendous, from assault weapons to litigation against gun manufacturers. Not one person on that stage had the gumption or the wherewithal to say... Well, Biden but, mentioned in kind of a throwaway line. Yeah, literally a throwaway yeah. line yep. with that many people dead? When you're talking about Democrats in a primary and his record on guns, it's more representative of Vermont than it is where the country is and where the Democrats And that tells you these candidates have not taken him seriously. And they woke up this morning. And he has they the, have to take seriously but his Rob, record on guns. He has the as support passed, of many leaders for March for, their, for our uh, lives. Uh, 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 and that, that's because that, they understand his person, record was more about as a person who representing was rural communities in Vermont Clinton, than about guns. Gun violence that happens uh, in places like uh, Chicago uh, or happens in L.A. is no, very different. Here's the thing I will tell you. As a person assigned by President Clinton to both pass the Brady Bill and assault weapon ban, Bernie Sanders was always on the side of the gun manufacturers. And what my bigger point is political, not policy, which is you're on a stage in Vegas with yeah. one of the worst mass shootings and nobody well, yeah, brought but, it up dealing with him seriously. The winner is from South Korea. I thought it was best foreign film, right? Best foreign movie. No, it was the button. Did this ever happen before? Eroding beaches on Chicago's lakefront, warmer winters in the upper Midwest, microplastics in our water. What can any one person do? Our best hope for saving the planet and ourselves is through the power of we. Get to the ninth annual One Earth Film Festival, the Midwest's premier environmental film festival. It's March 6th through the 15th. March 6th? Through the 15th. Right, write that down. March 6th through the 15th. Did you say the power of weed? (laughs) (laughs) The power of we. W-E. We, not Not we. Not we. Yes. (laughs) The power of we. Well, you have to clarify. Yes, clarify. These days, March 6th through the 15th, 26 films. That's correct. 48 venues. That's correct. 
four counties. Wait, correct. that is not correct. 28 films, 48 events. Oh. Four counties engage with filmmakers and experts. Venues include Tesla Gold Coast, Loyola University, Plant Chicago, Old St. Patrick's Church, Chicago Cultural Center, Lake Theater in Oak Park, and more. Go to OneEarthFilmFest.org. What is that again, D? OneEarthFilmFest.org. That is correct. OneEarthFilmFest.org. <laughs> Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Jackie Algie in the studio, SEIU, and she said, we, not we. <laughs> Jackie Algie is very happy uh, to be back on the show. I'm very happy that uh, marijuana is legal in the state of Illinois, but that's not what we're talking about today, that right? That is not what we're I talking about. I know you have a lot on your plate that you want to discuss. I will get to all that. Uh, D, you got an update before we do this? Uh, we just encourage everybody to find us online uh, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook and Twitter. If you got a question, feel free to ask us on email, Benny J Show at G gmail.com b-e-n-n-y the letter j show at gmail.com and for those on the live stream i always forget to mention this uh if you haven't clicked like turns out that kind of helps us so uh if you're listening uh right now watching right now go click like turns out like uh that's a good thing youtube likes that maybe uh, more people will find out who we are so hit like uh while you're there watching the program and uh, feel free to weigh in with your thoughts on uh last night's debate i'll try and read those comments before we roll out of here all right very good all right jackie i'm gonna uh, be asking you a ton of questions about politics your thoughts on the presidential debate your thoughts on the presidential election your thoughts about rom manual uh as a person giving advice to the democrats my personal opinion is that the democrats should not take advice from Rahm Emanuel. He didn't do such a great job with his own political career, but that's just me. You may disagree with me, Jackie. It's a free country. Uh, she's shaking her head. Nope. I think she sees eye to eye with me on this one. Uh, Rahm Emanuel, we were talking about this yesterday a lot, was on uh, the George Stephanopoulos show this weekend, Jackie, with Chris Christie, the former governor of uh, New Jersey. What political universe in the world exists? What media universe in the world exists where they would think these two jokers would offer anything resembling substantial mm -hmm. advice that any politician would want to take. One guy got thrown out of New Jersey. Right. The other guy got thrown out of the city of Chicago. But somehow or other, they're giving advice to Democrats? Not only are they giving, uh, giving advice, Ben, but they're bosom buddies. I mean, I watch uh, this week on occasion, especially when I'm, um, you know, at home from church or doing otherwise. And so I, I watch it. Right. I look forward to seeing it. But then uh, this duo duo <laughs> that has come. I don't know where it came from, but uh, I have suspicions that both of them have, you know, political aspirations, if you would. Um, my take on this is that Ron might, we've always known that he wanted to. He wasn't going to go and quietly away and you'd never see him again. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think for him, it might be on the national level. And so hence, he's doing all of this, you know, advising and coming across, releasing his book and, you know, all of this that puts him in a place of knowledge, if you would, mm. so that if you have a candidate who is looking for uh, uh, someone to team up with and or add to their prospective administration, you get someone like Aram who, um, you know, in uh, national perspective or, or, you know, opinion, 
might not have been so bad for Chicago because when you hear him on the shows, he talks about all the great things that he did for us, which mm. we know is not true. But, um, and then similarly with Christie, you know, uh, he talks about all the great things that he's done, not only for the state of New Jersey, but in support and advisement to 45. So you get the two combined, and it's like, oh, why wouldn't you trust them? Because, you know, why else would George have them on his show? Well, I'm going to answer that. I know it was a rhetorical question you asked at the end, but the reality is this when it comes to uh, mainstream media. There's only certain amounts of, how do I put There's only There only goes so far left, and, and then they'll pull back. And uh-huh. so from their perspective, Rahm Emanuel represents kind of the left which is so bizarre if you're here in chicago they view it well he's a democrat that's right he worked for obama so automatically automatically that's right and there's uh, the connection and they put a a vet simpson on who i think is really good i don't know oh i like her yeah Yeah. but i I did i talk about this all the time i can't get over this just follow me in this i would i didn't mean to go on this trip but since you're you're helping me out here (laughs) okay so on that show you got george stephanopoulos who, Uh who who's basically a centrist Democrat, but he kind of plays it down the middle. You got Chris Christie, who's uh, a Republican and a big fan and friend of uh, Donnie Trump. Uh I I don't even know the lady's name, but she's a Republican. Uh, She's there as the Trump supporter. Yeah, no. Uh, I think her first name was Sarah. I can't remember her name. Uh Then you got Rahm, who Uh hates Bernie, hates the left, hates unions, particularly hates Chicago Teachers Union, may hate your union second much. Oh, listen, I, I had my own personal experience with him when he first came into office that that was clear for me enough to know uh, where we stood uh, and and as it related to him and um, how he looked at people like the 90,000 people mostly women mostly women of color that we represent every day I was real clear on that do you want to go any further or is that enough well um, you know <laughs> Yeah, that might be enough. I mean, he he was just rude, you know, uh, in the presence of uh, other allies and and members. Um, And so that, to me, was enough said. You know, he didn't have to come out and say it. It was enough said. Uh, uh, Here's the deal with Ron, who I don't, I can't pretend that I know him. I've only met him maybe twice in my life. But Mm -hmm. Ron has this thing where he feels compelled to insult the left wing of the Democratic Party. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because he, I'm not Freud. I'm not going to put him on the couch. I can't analyze him, but he has this thing. It, the Number one at the top of the list is my dear friend, Karen Lewis, mm-hmm. and uh, who I hope is listening. Yes. Uh, and he insulted her to her face. Yes. And he has this, he had this, she combined two elements that mm-hmm. he has issues with. Mm-hmm. I believe he has issues with Strong black women. I'm just yep. putting that out there. Yep. And he hates the teachers union. That's right. He hates them. Okay. Right. And so she represented both. He was like, shut up, get in line, tell your your followers they're going to do X, Y, Z, mm-hmm. and they're going to mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. And Karen Lewis, if you know her, Jack, oh, no do. one tells Karen yeah. Lewis That's right. what she's going to do. That's okay. Right. I've known her for a long time. You're not going to yeah. tell Karen Lewis what That's to right. do. And it's and so he, hurt, he was hurt. But that exposed so much about mm-hmm. his attitude toward people on mm-hmm. the left. 
Mm -hmm. Shut up, get in line, mm -hmm. take it. And mm -hmm. we're seeing that in this primary mm -hmm. right now, where generally the attitude expressed by so many people, mm -hmm. centrist to lefties, mm -hmm. shut up, get in line, mm -hmm. vote for whoever we put on the ticket. And mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, before he got in the office, he was trying to come, especially toward the latter part of the campaigning, you know, trying to come across as, you know, uh, you know, well, let me just make friends at least or you know, seem like I might be open to. Uh, but once, you know, it's like, uh, you know, sign, sealed, delivered. And once it was, it's like, I don't have to do anything for you. Yeah. You know, and, and he was real clear on that. I don't have to do anything for you. Uh, no. But anyway, just to finish up before we move on. The, so you got Rom, Christie, uh, the Republican woman, and uh, George Stephanopoulos, and then you have Yvette Simpson. So you got four people get to talk, and then Yvette <laughs> gets to talk. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. It's, I saw. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of tilted yeah. against the left. No, it's tilted. Tilted. You're absolutely right, Ben. But I, I do respect her, admire her, and I was just such a, a fan cheering in, in, in my own living room, you know, uh, or Den rather, when she took her spot, you know, it's like, no, you're not just going to talk over me. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get my point across. And she did. All right. All right. Yeah. So let's uh, get to what's on your agenda for today. OK, so I've got a lot of things on my agenda uh, in terms of what SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas and Missouri, but more specifically to Illinois that we're working on this mm -hmm. legislative session. And so, um, as you know, Ben, our communities are suffering big time on a number of levels. But one in particular is community hospitals. We've got community hospitals that people are going to get services from and they don't get good service, not because people, they don't have the staff who care or are, um, you know, professional enough to give the service and knowledgeable enough to give the service, but they don't have enough staff, mm -hmm. right? And they don't have enough equipment and they don't have, you know, people are overworked and underpaid, et cetera. And so as a result, you get poor service. And people in our communities do not deserve that, just like people in other communities mm -hmm. don't. But the other thing that is so um, disheartening is the fact that the life expectancy of people that live in Inglewood in comparison to people that live, live in Streeterville is 30 years difference. So if you put that out there, if people really understand that people in Streeterville, if people don't know where Streeterville well, is Well, Jackie, uh, real briefly, a lot of our listeners are outside of Chicago. That's right. So Englewood and Streeterville, explain Englewood, explain Streeterville. Okay, so Streeterville is uh, predominantly white affluent um, around the Northwestern um, hospital campus, if you would, on the lake. In an area called the Gold Coast. The Gold Coast, right. <laughs> that may help things. That the Gold might Coast. help things. Yeah. That's right. And then Inglewood, which is where I was raised, still have a home there, um, is predominantly black. Um, there, there is a, a good number of Latino brothers and sisters on the west portion of uh, Inglewood, um, but but predominantly black and uh, working people, those that have jobs, but so many that don't, mm -hmm. and so as a result, they live in a state of poverty. Schools have been closed. 
never to reopen. They've condensed them. So, so they've condensed the schools down to a school or two for all kids to go to, which we know is not good, especially in today's world, because kids are different as people are. So it's not always the safest for, for kids to go to schools that are not in their communities and neighborhoods. And why should they have to, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but then hospitals, similarly, they're talking about closing hospitals but and, and not improving services. And so you'll have people in those communities, n- not just for the emergency aspect of going to a hospital for emergency treatment, but we're talking about preventative care as well. And we just don't have that in, the, in, in Inglewood that, so that we could increase the life expectancy, and that's not right. And it's, let me just say this, it's not just, uh, Brandon made a good point earlier, um, how these issues don't just apply to Inglewood and black and brown communities. It also applies to white communities in the rural parts of this state where you're talking about us having to go 8 to 10 to 20 miles to a decent hospital, which might be a Christ or a little company mm-hmm. if you're coming from Inglewood. There are people, um, our white brothers and sisters who live in rural parts of the state who have to go 40 and 50 miles to get hospital services because they don't have a community hospital or clinic. And so, you know, we need fair funding, fair funding. And, you know, this word cannot be overstated. Fair is fair. We need fair funding in our community hospitals, one, so that they can thrive, two, so that they can give the service and support to the communities that deserve them, and three, that they can also employ. Because you take a a hospital like Roseland, for example, which I currently live um, in that area, and Roseland has been around for over 90 years, Mm -hmm. and they have employed people from that community for that period of time. So not only is it a service provider, but it's also a job creator. So when you say fair funding of community hospitals, who are you requesting the funding from? The state, uh, the Illinois Department of Housing or Health uh, Association. Yeah. And guess what? They got it. They do have it. And if they, you know, in addition to them, then there is the federal government, when we talk about Medicaid and Medicare dollars coming in, we should get the fair share portion of those dollars to go to those hospitals as well. Right now, some, or currently, some of those hospitals get funding under both of those programs because they, of the population they serve. But guess what? The Northwesterns and other hospitals get it too because they provide services to that same population and that's not right. Now, I'm not saying that they should mm-hmm. not provide the service, but they don't do extended service. They patch them up and send them on because they don't have the insurance coverage to cover, to you know, afford them to stay. Now let me ask you this question. Uh, this does not directly relate to the issue of fair funding, but it sort of relates. And I, need to, I do not know the answer to this question, so I'm going into it ignorant. If the, the person who works at a, 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 Roseland, a hospital in Roseland, and for our listeners, Roseland is far south, east side of Chicago, uh, a poor black neighborhood. It is. Uh, which is, it's further south and east from Englewood. All right. Uh, does a person employed by a hospital in Roseland make less money to do the same job as a person employed at Northwest Northwestern Hospital, which is, uh, as uh, Jackie was saying, on the Gold Coast and in a much wealthier area? 
ironically <laughs> enough. Um, in some instances, no. They don't make different, and that's a, a problem as well. So you got a Northwestern, and people just assume, I had someone just say this just to me on yesterday, that their son had worked at Northwestern, and she assumed, because it was Northwestern, that he was going to make all his money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not true. Not true. Um, maybe a couple dollars more than the Rosen worker who does the same job, but not 10, 12, 15, 20 dollars more as people assume because of the location and, and the, the wealth in the area and the community. And so that's not right either. I mean, we fight for uh, and we represent North, Northwestern workers and we fight for them the same way. You know, they should not have to be working like they do or and come into employment in, at Northwestern and not be paid uh, adequate. All right. Later. Before yeah. we take a break and come back and talk a little more, more politics, uh, is there any a website or any information you want to give out? People want to know more about this issue. In this yeah. Campaign? So <clears throat> pardon me. So uh, and thank you for asking that, Ben. So uh, the fair funding for community hospitals has um, uh legislation, right, Um, that uh, provider assessment legislation. And so there's Senate Bill 3010, and we have Senator Aquino, who is the um, sponsor, co-sponsor on Aquino. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, I pronounced it correctly. From the northwest side of Chicago. Uh, Yeah, right, Mm -hmm. Aquino. Um, And so he's he's sponsoring uh, the Senate side of it. Mm-hmm. And then Representative Welch uh, is sponsoring Welch. the, yeah, Chris Welch, uh, who's a great guy too, um, is, um, he sponsored, co-sponsoring the House Bill 4543. Four, five, four, three. Very good. All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, any website you want to give out before we take the break? You know, um, you have a lot of information there. I do have a lot that. of information and I am not seen a specific That's website right. for that but uh, you can always go to SEIU Healthcare Illinois and uh, we have our website and I know there's information on there. Alright very good uh, Jackie Alchie my guest uh, we're going to take a break come back ask a little political question one or two political questions from Jackie Alchie be right back I've seen a whole lot of catfish some turtles uh, no gators yet though read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. I think there's a lot of incentive to blow up um, disagreements in the party as like huge fights um, because I think it's important for us all to recognize and we do this in our rallies to recognize the people who have been in this fight to allow us to have this window Mm -hmm. as we do right now. You know, Nancy Pelosi. That's Mama Bear of the Democratic Party, you know. Someone's got to. 
Got to keep Ben Jarofsky on his toes. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. All right, I'll take us home. But we're, we're not home yet. We still Jackie Algie in the studio. We're not home yet. She's got a whole bunch of things. I said, I'm going to ask you politics. She goes, no, Ben, I want to talk about this, that, and the other thing. All right, Jackie, we'll get to what you want to talk about. Uh, Dennis also wants me to talk about who's coming on the show tomorrow. Yeah, today we had a great show. Tomorrow, more of the same. Our cannabis conversations continue tomorrow. That, Isn't that yes, right? Yes, that is correct. Uh, but I, I don't know who. I can't remember who Lisa's bringing well, in tomorrow. Lisa Solomon always comes in with the guest. Uh, cannabis conversations. We've had some very uh, compelling guests uh, these last few segments. So, uh be surprised. Be who surprised. knows who Lisa's going to bring? And maybe Lisa will bring down some weed. Uh, okay. Peter P.C. Cunningham, my good friend of the Centrist Persuasion, will be here tomorrow. Maybe bring his guitar. Live stream listeners. <laughs> Get ready for that one, huh? P.C. is probably going to tell me why Michael Bloomberg's a great guy. Be interesting to hear him pull that one out of his hat. Uh, or maybe Michael Bloomberg's a little too right even for my good friend Peter P.C. Cunningham. So P.C. will be here tomorrow. And Miles Kampflassen, uh, definitely of the leftist persuasion, will be here tomorrow. Yeah, last week uh, he was gone and uh, we had one of Miles' friends. Miles' roommate, I think? No, no, no. It was just a friend of his oh. who, from New Ze- Zealand. And he spoke with that New Zealand accent, which you will now imitate no no i'm not gonna hello any. mate okay. <laughs> there with the new zealand audience <laughs> anyway i'm sure oh man you know miles is chomping at the bit to talk about uh how they went after bernie last night miles loves bernie ladies and gentlemen and if you're listening on the live stream and you missed any of the show you can be able to download the show uh give me about an hour about four o'clock i'll have uh, both hours up and uh, if you're downloading, always check out the live stream, Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. It's a great time. All right. Uh, so, Jackie Alchie, you were, uh, we were all set to uh, talk politics, but you said, Ben, we got to talk. We got to talk. Fair tax. tax. I'm, I'm always to. ready to talk fair tax. Yeah. Fair tax is no joke. That is, uh, I got to give Pritzker credit for this. I did not vote for J.B. Pritzker in the primary. This is always a confession moment. <laughs> Jackie. <laughs> But the man's been a good governor. I'm just going to say it. Absolutely. Prove me wrong, JB. Prove me wrong. I hope and pray he never does. He's been one of the best. Uh, And uh, so he's taking the lead on the Fair Tax Initiative. That's going to be on the ballot in November. My greatest concern, Jackie, even though Fair Tax is so important to the state of Illinois, the future of Illinois, and funding government in a a fair way would raise uh, the the top rates on the wealthiest people. It's a flat Mm -hmm. tax right now. Mm -hmm. So even uh, broke-ass podcasters like me and Dennis Mm -hmm. pay the same rate Mm -hmm. uh, as as J.B. Pritzker does. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would raise the top rate. That's going to be a tough one because... You know, it's it's a uh, it's a referendum. It's got to pass with sixty percent of the vote. That's right. And there's going to be other things that people are going to be talking about, like the presidential race. That's right. So, but know. but you know, I'll say this in all fairness. Fair fair is the word, right? Um, it, we need a fair tax in Illinois. We've always needed one. It should never have been a flat tax. It makes no sense that um, we've got wealthy people like our governor and others who are paying the same percentage of taxes that, you know, um, we, those of us who, you know, are less Aren't wealthy, wealthy, are not yeah, wealthy, yeah. Are, are paying. Um, and, and, you know, what a fair tax can do mm-hmm. in terms of just what we were just talking about. When we're talking about community hospitals, that can add additional funding for hospitals. It can add additional funding for our schools. It can add additional funding for uh, housing and 
um, our streets. I mean, you know, the list just goes on. It's just is lined up. So when you talk about infrastructure and being able to, you know, bring in uh, new jobs and job opportunities, all of that is related to a fair tax. Mm -hmm. If you have a fair tax, it's going to just help to boost the economy. And when you boost the economy, if people have more money, they're going to spend more money, Ben. And I'm not suggesting, nor am I implying, nor am I saying that people should spend all their money and not save any, because we definitely need to save. But if you have more, you'll spend more, and that can only boost the economy. Mm -hmm. All of the studies that have been done on states that have a progressive tax prove that. And we just need to be able to step up to the plate and do the right thing. No, this is one of the... This is a sort of a rel uh, related uh, matter. One of the most frustrating things I find when I listen to the presidential debates is when they get around to the issue of Medicare for all. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Bernie's for it and Elizabeth Warren more or less is for it. Uh, and the other candidates rip it. Uh, and they talk about how it's going to raise. How are you going to pay for it? How is raising taxes? I always find that frustrating because perhaps... Even more regressive, if such a thing is possible, than our tax flat tax plan in Illinois, is the way we fund healthcare. Mm -hmm. Healthcare is based; the premiums you pay are pretty much the same across the board, no matter how wealthy you are. So J.B. Pritzker's same probably pays the same copay that I'm. If he goes to see his doctor, they're not go. Oh, J.B., you're wealthy; you're worth three billion. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make you pay five hundred dollars. El Ben. You know, you're not wealthy. You get to pay 30. It doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. So mm -hmm. it's so unfair. It's mm -hmm. so, the premiums you pay are the same. If you're roughly the same age, same mm -hmm. back, you know what I'm saying? I pay probably the same amount as Bruce Rauner. Well, do you remember several, several years ago when Warren Buffett came out and he said, this makes no sense that my secretary yeah. is paying the same. That makes no sense. Yeah. Absolutely no sense. Yeah. And you get someone like him, who I respect, um, to say, to come out and say, this is wrong and we should change it, we should fix it, makes sense to me. Yeah, no, Warren Buffett, I get him credit, he's one of the wealthiest men in America. He may even have more money than Bloomberg. Uh, maybe we have the wrong gazillionaire running for uh, president <laughs> of the United States. I, I would be much more favorable to Warren Buffett uh, than I uh, would be to Michael Bloomberg on so many issues. Uh, but put that to the side. Anyway. So uh, we want to say vote yes for a fair tax. And that's for everyone. Yeah. All not right, just the people that cannot afford it. And, and I will say this. Uh, that election is not until November. Bob, we'll be talking about that a lot. That's uh, right. Because in terms of Illinois... Take pulling us out of the national picture. This is this is a critical moment for Illinois. I, I fear this is it going is. to be lost, Jackie. Is. Uh, this is a critical moment. How we finance government, whether we'll have money for uh, all the projects that we want, the educational spending, and Pritzker, he, I, he was pretty skillful in that. He got a lot of criticism for uh, my Republican friends uh, in that last budget address. He essentially said, if you want the money mm -hmm. uh, for all these programs. Mm -hmm. That's you're right. going to have to vote for the fair tax because right. this, these programs are contingent on that funding. And so many people go, oh, that's blackmail. It's extortion, which is funny. My Republican friends, you're mm -hmm. worried about it when, when Pritzker, uh, you call it extortion when Pritzker does it with his budget. But you look the other way when Donald John Trump does it with Ukrainian president. That's Just right. throwing that out Just there, my Republican friends. Just throwing it out. So, again, vote yes, even those that can afford it. Not can't, but those that can. Yeah.
All right, and focus. then the other thing you had there, you want to talk the about that census. The other thing I want to talk about the census, man. I mean, the census is happening right now. People need to get ready. They're going to start getting postcards to say to them, it's census time. You need to fill out the form, get it in. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. So there'll be four ways that people can respond to the census, which is a little different than it has been in the past. You can respond by mail. You can respond by phone. You can go online, which is very new. People have never been able to do that before. And, and or you can have an enumerator or someone who can help you to fill out a form, right? I can't stress enough how important it is. That's right there with the fair taxes, right there with voting. The census is so key and critical. We're talking about $675 billion that we stand to lose if we don't get the right count. Mm-hmm. We've got to get the right. All right. So just uh, so you know, folks, what Jackie's talking about, a lot of federal dollars are allocated to states by uh, according to how many people live in the state. If you undercount the census, there's fewer people in the states, fewer federal dollars for the state. There's right. few, uh, we, we don't we lose congressional seats, less that's influence. Right. That's uh, right. And uh, so, you know, that's why it's important to have an accurate account. The, 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 the whole system is already tilted against states like Illinois, and I'm, I'm going to avoid uh, a discourse in electoral college system, <laughs> which works against people who live in right. states like Illinois and California, New York, and even Texas. Uh, but since Texas votes with this, those states to get more representation, they don't cry. Just imagine if the Electoral College was the other way, Jackie. Mm-hmm. If instead of Democrats getting screwed in the elections, it had been Republicans getting oh, well, you, know. you already know. You already know. <laughs> Let me just say this last yeah. thing about the census. Mm. That there are not any, there are no questions that ask your personal information. So for example, they don't ask your social security number. They don't ask how much you make or how much you got in your bank account, right? Mm -hmm. They um, do not ask any immigration questions. And so people can feel secure that whatever they say, the majority of the information or, or questions centers around who lives in your house on April 1st. April 1st happens to be the launch or kickoff day. Um, and so people answer those questions get and send the form back in, mail it in or, you know, email it in or however they do it. Mm-hmm. And they're done. Um, and uh, again, I cannot stress how many uh, people that we just in the census of 2010 that we lost or how much money we lost as a result of people not responding and majority of the people that were not counted, which was really weird to me, uh, Ben, when I found it out, was zero to five. People don't count babies, you know, as, as a living person in their home. But the zero to five population was the most undercounted in the state of Illinois. Is that right? That is correct. And so we Why? just need, because they don't, when you if, if you're in your house and you say, who lives in my house that needs to be counted for census? Oh, my son that's 18, my daughter that's 24 that comes here sometimes and stays when she's in, and then my wife and I. That's it. But you don't count the grandbaby that, you know, is that's running funny around on the floor. The grandbaby eats. <laughs> <laughs> the grandbaby does eat. Okay. And then lastly, we've got prescription drugs. Prescription drugs are all out. Oh, they're just out the roof. 
you know, and you got 45 that doesn't care about people having to decide if they're going to pay rent or their mortgage or have some food on their table and, and take a prescription or a medication that will help them to keep eating. By the way, I love how you won't call him by his name. I can't. I can't call you, him. You won't mention his name. I cannot. And so we are trying, we're working to get a prescription drug, um, this board, I'm going to tell you in just a minute, <laughs> affordability board. It's uh, affordability board for prescription drugs. And so we're going to take a group, we're taking a group of people down to Springfield on Tuesday in support of this legislation. Um, Representative Gazzardi is the lead sponsor on it, and it's HB 3493. And then we're going to go back on Wednesday for fair funding for uh, community hospitals. And we're just going to keep going until people do the right thing. You're going to bother them until they say, all right. And absolutely. That's what we do. All right. Now, Jackie, before I let you go, I have to get your thoughts about uh, uh, the, the debate that's being framed in the uh, Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're never going to tell me who you support. I'm not. Because uh, <laughs> uh, you're too cagey that way. Uh, <laughs> even I, What I do is I get around this. I ask my guests many times, well, name your top three. That, mm. then you, that's how I get mm-hmm. it. All right, name three that you're top three. But I don't even think you're going to do that. Are you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just got that poker face on. Not going to do it. Not you can ask that question anyway what you want. Not going to do it. Well, I'll it. tell you mine. There you go, okay? Tell me yours. Mine, there we go, because you won't okay. do it, all right? Who's your top three? My top three have remained the same for about two weeks now. Number one, Bernie Sanders. Number two, Elizabeth Warren. Number three, Joe Biden. All right. Wow. I used to have Andrew Yang in there, and uh-huh. then he dropped out. So Joey okay. B moved right. up to number three. Okay. I got a okay. fondness for Joey B. Okay. Uh, that goes back a long time. I don't know something about the guy. Can uh, I just share this with you real quickly? Um, when Brandon was on, uh, he talked about uh, Elizabeth Warren, who he absolutely is in favor of. He He's loves Elizabeth supporter. Warren. But it reminded me mm-hmm. of Brandon. Brandon. Uh, introduced her. She was here, I want to say last July uh, at the Auditorium Theater. The place mm. was packed. Yeah, I remember that. Majority women, majority white women. Mm-hmm. I would say of, uh, uh, you know, affluent and otherwise, but majority white. Brandon was out, Brandon, well, he's one of my sons, and I claim him as we, <laughs> he, we claim each other, but he was just outstanding. In his introduction, it was like um, you would have thought, you know, it was his mother or somebody up there. He was just that passionate about her. And when you told, you know, when I heard him speak rather today, it reminded me why he is so enamored with her. He just really is. Well, uh, I've had my ups and downs with Elizabeth Warren in this Mm -hmm. campaign. Uh, I was not really feeling uh, the the Warren out mm, during that mm-hmm, debate in mm-hmm. Iowa. She went after Bernie, mm-hmm. but I just feel she did such a good job in these last two debates, mm. uh, going after Bloomberg, and not just on the issues of Bloomberg's attitude in the past toward women. But mm-hmm. This is really important. I'm just going to get this out there. Uh, Michael Bloomberg made some really insane comments. Uh, which he's trying to distance himself from uh, regarding the economic meltdown of 2008, which Mm -hmm. he essentially blamed. He blamed that on laws that uh, forced banks to uh, give mortgages to people in redlined communities. Mm -hmm. And he, he, listen, 
<laughs> people say all kinds of stupid things in their lives that mm-hmm. we regret. If mm-hmm. you accumulate all the dumb things mm-hmm. I said or have written in my life, Jackie, then it held me. You got to be able to say, you know what? I can't believe I said mm-hmm. that. Man, was I stupid. I apologize. But, you know, in politics, you cannot. It's almost like it, some people have this attitude that if you admit you were ever wrong, it's mm-hmm. like this huge concession. Mm-hmm. But to the point, Elizabeth Warren, she was a champion in the O's. Uh, for regulatory laws that would force banks to give loans in mm-hmm. redline community mm-hmm. that would protect people uh, who were uh, going bankrupt. She was always looking out for the, the, the people who were at the lower end of the mm-hmm. total pole in terms of income and protecting their rights uh, in fiduciary matters, financial matters. And I believe I have to give her credit for that that she has always been a champion uh, in that arena. And that is not really, I don't know how that translates into votes, Jackie. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? That's Mm -hmm. not something Mm -hmm. that people can understand easily. It doesn't fit onto a bumper sticker easily. You know, Bernie's very visceral about like Mm -hmm. Medicare for all. People know where Bernie's coming from all the time. He has Mm -hmm. that advantage, I think, Mm -hmm. over Elizabeth Warren, who sometimes she gets into the weeds of the policies, but it's in the weeds. So let me ask you a question. How well, about this for a ticket, Sanders and Warren? I, I don't. I'm a. I do. I don't. Do not favor that ticket. I'll okay. tell you why. why. I think they bring uh, too much of the same thing to the mm-hmm. table uh, in terms of just their generation. Mm-hmm. You know the mm-hmm. uh, the no. age. Mm-hmm. And I say this as an old guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to. I believe you got some younger. I always talk. I was floating this one last week because I'm. I follow these things really closely, Jackie, and I'm, I sense that the Democrats could be heading to a broker convention. And mm-hmm. I think Elizabeth Warren, in the back of her mind, senses the same things, and she's determined to stay in the race because she thinks that she could be a compromise choice mm-hmm. between the the Bloomberg wing mm-hmm. and the Bernie wing. Mm-hmm. In which case, you put her up there with uh, Castro, who dropped out of races from Texas. Bada boom, bada bing, call it a day. So if I'm thinking of Elizabeth Warren ticket, Mm -hmm. I'm along those lines. If I'm Bernie Sanders, I just believe you have to have a black woman on the ticket. Mm -hmm. That's just me saying it. And a a younger... Stacey Abrams, not Stacey Davis Gates. No, Stacey Abrams. (laughs) I love... (laughs) Davis Gates is, you know, one of my daughters, too, but Abrams is who I was talking about. Okay, I know, I know. But around here, people say Stacey, uh, they usually think Stacey Davis Gates. Mm -hmm. Uh, So are you concerned... Like We we have this conversation all the time. Uh, Monroe, a dear friend of mine, is uh, very concerned about Bernie Sanders' impact Mm -hmm. at the head of the ticket. He's more conservative than I am, believe it or not. Monroe Anderson. Uh, he comes on this week. Every week he's crying about that. Do you share his concern about uh, a leftist at the top of the ticket, or do you think it's an exaggerated concern? Here's what I'll say or share with you. <laughs> what I'm hearing on the ground and, and my network of people is they want whoever can beat him. Him who will not be named. That's right. And so... Um, you know, for some people um, in the boomer age group and older, he is a little too left for mm-hmm. them. But if he could beat him, they're fine. They go in and punch his number, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's work to be done. I'll just be glad when we get to July or past July. I mean, past so, the convention. Past the convention, and we'll have that him or whomever, yeah. and then we can really give our focus and attention. All right, fair enough, Jackie. I'll and do. get a winner. 
Uh, <laughs> and uh, all right, thank you very much, Jackie. Thanks for coming on the show. I also want to thank Brandon Johnson, the aforementioned Brandon Johnson and Monroe Anderson. Every Wednesday on the show, Monroe Anderson and I duel. Uh, two old geezers arguing over Bernie Sanders. It never gets old. Never oh, that's gets a tired. segment name. Two old <laughs> two geezers, geezers arguing yeah. over Ber- Monroe and me. We're doing it forever. Arguing for, uh, politics forever. Uh, love them dearly. And, and of course, cannot do this show without the man, that's the myth, right. the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Jackie Algie can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Oh, Ben, <laughs> I forgot to mention something. Brianna reminded us. Tomorrow's a special day as well because tomorrow... Our one-year anniversary. In this space. space. In this space. Yeah. (laughs) Happy anniversary, Ben. Where's my cake? (laughs) I didn't get one. (laughs) Yes, yes. One year tomorrow, February 27th. Good God, man. Time flies. That's the airplane flying. Anyway, as I was saying, the man, myth, the legend, pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. They call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow on our anniversary (laughs) day. You'll probably still call me that next year. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jaromsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. And wherever else you download your favorite podcast downloaders, we live stream this show. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. And when you join us on the YouTube channel, you can join the live stream chat. Hang out with like-minded political heads and some trolls. It's a good time. See you tomorrow. And for the record, I love puppies. That's correct. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.